0: Welcome to the Bee Podcast. The mission of the Bee is to create an inspiring platform for all women of every age, to have meaningful conversations with the intent to genuinely understand each other's journey, to listen to stories similar and different than our own, engage in each other's triumphs and failures, hear and validate one another on the separate unique journeys we have traveled, the loss we have endured, the joy we have encountered, and the reason behind the lessons we have learned. Bees symbolize community, personal growth, and power. And that is what we aim to do here. Create community, foster growth, and empower women. I'm Cami Milliken, and this is the Bee Podcast. Thank you all for waiting just one extra week to hear this absolutely delightful interview. I'm so glad that you're here. Growing up in Southeast Iowa, it seems to be natural, normal, and almost expected that a young girl should A get a formal education, B get married soon after, and then C have babies. And while all of these things are wonderful, incredible, and astonishing gifts, so many of us have taken this path only for it to disappear before our eyes. Today, Sydney Palin shares with us her experience of divorce while raising young girls and her journey to finding herself. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so glad that you're here. Today, we are so fortunate to meet with Sydney Palin. Sydney, hi, how are you? I'm so glad that you're here. Hello. I'm very glad that
1: I'm here. I'll try not to laugh with my,
0: yeah, good. (laughs) (laughs) It's all all good. There's a lot of things happening, all the things. So Sydney, tell us a little about your family, your career, your interests. What, What are you doing right now? What I'm doing. So
1: yeah, so I have two daughters. Um, Addison is seven, and Evelyn is three and a half. And you've got to put that half in there. You probably know that with yours. Yeah, it's very Um, important. Yes. Yeah. So that's my immediate family. And as you know, it branches out way bigger from there, but we don't have to go into that.
0: Um, I think that's worth diving into for a second. (laughs) You are a Palin. Yeah. And... In Ettempo, Iowa, where, um, where I am based, the Palin family is ginormous. Can you talk about your ginormous Palin family?
1: Ginormous. Yeah. So my dad is one of 16 kids, super Catholic family growing up. Yeah. So there's 16 of them, eight boys, eight girls, not sure how that roulette worked out, but we like sit down sometimes we actually did this during COVID. a couple of my family members were together i first of all have to map out by sibling and then branch out to how many kids they have like to keep track and so there's 38 cousins and then by marriage if you add in a couple of like you know half or step cousins there's like 42 i think so it's very large and um that's how you know i grew up and it was great i love having that big family so, well,
0: and all of your Christmas pictures from any, like on Facebook or Instagram, anything that I see of any of your family members, cause I'm, I'm friends with, you know, quite a few of your family members cause they are, they're so, the numbers are vast. Um, mm-hmm. it looks like so much fun. Looks like you guys totally have a blast.
1: Yeah. It's, oh my God, it's so much fun. And like, every time we take a picture, it's trying to fit the people in it. And then on top of that, like, you'll look at the picture when someone posts it and you're like, Oh, but there's still like 35 people missing. And then that's when you really start to be like, to me, like I grew up on that. So it doesn't seem intense. Um, cause I'm used to it. But then when you people comment on Facebook or, or when you bring a significant other into that environment and you're just kind of like, Oh, this is my family. Like that's pretty intense.
0: So the thing about it is that you are all very close. Like the siblings, like all sixteen siblings are fairly close, um, and and really value family. So it's it's different in that mm-hmm. sense. So it's not this large family that it kind of does their own yeah. thing in different states. And although you do, you really all appreciate coming together and celebrating one another as well, which is really really cool. So I'm envious of that. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, it's like when we get together with my cousins, I might not see them all that often, and a lot of them now that I talk to are younger than me, but it's, it's just like, it's so cool to have that connection and you talk
0: to them and yeah, I love it. Absolutely. So you come from this huge family that um, is actually really well known in the Atomua, Iowa area, Wapello County. So you grew up with that and you decided to, you know, start your own family. So let's talk about the very beginning. So when did you enter the dating field? What did that look like for you in high school?
1: Yeah, that's, that's like a weird thing to think about because I don't think there's like a time where you're like, oh, well, that's when I started dating. I think in high school, it's just like you go with the flow and it's cool. Or when I was in high school anyway, it's cool to have a boyfriend or whatever. So I don't know. I think, I think I always was either interested in someone or running with a group of friends or what have you. Um, but I think my first boyfriend was probably the end of ninth grade that you would really count it. And that lasted through me freshman year of college. And that was someone that was older than me. Looking back now, it's like, okay, that's, that was crazy. So I dated pretty much one person in high school
0: and. Yeah, no, that's great. So then looking at college, you dated until your freshman year in college, the same human being. And then what, I mean, what did it look like for you after that relationship? ended? I'm certain it was probably difficult because it was such a long term thing. How did you date? In college,
1: I think the ending of that was one of those things where like your head knows before your heart knows kind of thing. And I started college, and that was huge. And there were some shifts in my family life, and so I started to kind of date and go out in college a little bit. And then actually, (laughs) that all shifted. My middle sister was in a car accident, and it's a whole other story. But um, but I ended up withdrawing from school and came back to Otomo and lived for the rest of that semester and for that summer and and so dating was just not a thing but my now ex-husband that's actually how we reconnected was after that car accident um he kind of reached out to one of my cousins and was asking how I was doing and we had known each other from middle school um twist my my ex-husband was actually my first real kiss in middle school if you can count that as a thing oh yes (laughs) So adorable. So, so yeah, I had known him throughout high school and we had been friends and stuff. And so he reached out to me after that car accident and that's how we started talking and basically pretty much started dating after that. So to say I had any really sort of real dating experience in high school or college, it didn't really exist. So just kind of jumped into that and my life went from there. So yeah,
0: you've always had someone really consistent or you know constant it's not been like oh I'm gonna date this guy and this guy and this guy it's you know you're not really right yeah you've had you were pretty solid on who you were with which I think is yeah it's just wonderful uh, thinking about like as a teacher and I see students dating it seems to be very um, sporadic and yeah. just something yeah. else so so that's awesome that you have that did you have any especially bad dates with anyone that you like to laugh about? <laughs> And you want to share with me
1: <laughs> Ooh, um, so that's so that's what's interesting now that I am single and I've this is the longest I've been single in my life which is insane to say um, the longest I've been single since I was like 15 years old and I thought about that once and that just hit me like a brick because I'm a very much self-growth like feminist kind of person and so then when I took a step back and I was like oh my gosh I've been single for this long and I've put this work into myself and now I'm like Okay. I think I could start dating again. And then I'm like, well, what does that even mean when you're 30, 31? What does, when you have two kids and you're divorced. So I've been on a couple of dates. I mean, they weren't horrible, but I've come to the point where I'm like, know better, know what I want, that kind of thing. I I thought ghosting, you know, when you just stop talking to someone and cut them off, I thought that was like a high school thing. But I've experienced that as an adult for the first time in my life, like after a date. And the date itself went really well. We just like sit and listen to music, which is kind of a nerdy thing that I like to do. And it was really good. And then bam, ghosted. And I just think that's like the lowest form of communication that someone could probably put out there so I guess that would be my embarrassing or bad one um yeah 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 I I threw a uh I did have one of the first dates I went on was as COVID Uh, it's tricky doing this with COVID but um I joked I have pretty bad anxiety and so I took a tape measure and put out six feet of it and threw it at the person as a joke and so luckily he got my bad sense of dorky humor I thought that was (laughs) funny but um (laughs) other than that it's just that far away Yeah, you're six feet away so yeah no (laughs) i i honestly navigating that world is not something that i'm great at so i'm
0: just laying low it's interesting because i think you definitely owe it to yourself to i mean during this time you're also finding you're finding yourself again and so it's kind of you know what we're gonna get into a little bit you talked about your um your high school relationship that you had that seemed to be pretty serious. And once you got to college, that didn't really pan out the way that you maybe imagined it to. Uh, But then you met your, your would be husband at the time. So how did you and your now ex-husband meet?
1: So just knowing each other from school and such. And then when we reconnected and he actually lived in in Texas at the time that I moved back to Otumwa. And once he finished up school, we, um, we had been dating for about nine months at that point, I think. And I then transferred to you and I, and he and my sister and I all moved in together and were roommates and that sort of thing. So it just kind of took off from there. Um, it just was like someone I kind of knew since my young teenage years and just reconnecting from there. So, so felt like
0: home. It felt
1: yeah, like it felt like this natural progression of like
0: things going a certain way. I guess yeah, felt comfortable, yeah. felt like home, which is you know essentially what you want when you're thinking about um, getting married. So your progress, your relationship progressed. You you know you moved in together and you dated for a while. Can you talk about some of the best times or memories that you had while you were dating?
1: Yeah, I think. Like you said, just being home and comfortable. I think that's really what it was about. Just like being able to joke around, like super just dorky, just comfortable. One time we decided we should get a blow up pool, like one of those really big ones and put it in the backyard. And we were like 20 and didn't know how to take care of a pool. So just good life decisions and (laughs) just silly stuff. And yeah, campfires, that kind of thing. Just, you know, whatever you do when you're 20 and It was a new town for both of us. We were both young and on our own for the first time. So really just exploring the new town we lived in, going on bike rides and that kind of stuff. So,
0: yeah. And, you know, looking back on these times, it can feel really nostalgic and warm and full of, you know, light and hope and just all the warm, fuzzy memories. You talked about some of the things that you did together just briefly, but can you go into more detail about those things that you liked to do together as your relationship progressed? I think, well, some of the
1: stuff I think that we did together really was like, we did not date super long before we got married. So a lot of it, I feel like happened at the beginning of when we were married that we did together. He was in the army. And so for a while he was stationed out East and I would go visit him and he was near DC. So I think probably some of my favorite memories were going out to Washington, D.C. and walking around the National Mall, going to Six Flags and that kind of stuff and being out there, it felt like, oh, the real world and we're traveling and doing cool stuff. And so um, that part, like those good memories are definitely there. And then at one point we lived like an hour from the ocean and so in North Carolina. So going there and really just experiencing that stuff that you do when you're younger before you have big adult jobs and things like that. I had that briefly, yeah. but... I think those are probably
0: the favorite things. Yeah, that sounds, yeah, yeah, just like it should, you know, when you're young and you imagine yourself getting serious, you know, and being an adult, it's never staying in your hometown. It's never those things. It's always going. And at least what I imagine my, my experience or what I would think that other people would want to do, like when they're raised in a small town, would be to go and do the things that just like you're explaining
1: i'm thankful for that because i think otherwise like if he wasn't in the army i probably wouldn't have experienced that and so like there's things that happened during my marriage that i'm really grateful for that they happened and so i think that was one of them being able to move away that's something my dad always told me my sisters was if you love your hometown that's great if you love where you go to college that's great but you know spread out go experience something new and if you don't like it you you know you can always go back home or whatever and so even right now like I I try and remember that you know so I think if it wasn't for him being in the army I might not have done that so I think it's a good thing
0: again with it's it's safe you know you right the safety of it yeah but still the opportunity to explore and do the things that you imagine doing when you're little yeah yeah Totally. Yeah. So when, I mean, you you talked a little about, you didn't date for very long before you got married. So if you're comfortable, would you want to share, you know, how you were proposed to and, you know, talk about your wedding day? Yeah. Like the rest of it, (laughs) like the rest of it. Also pretty brief. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: it comes with that comfortability home thing. I backstory, I think, I think a lot of it, and we will probably talk about this later too, is that, I knew him a lot of my life and there was that comfortability there. And it was like this momentum of moving towards things you think you're supposed to move towards or this expectation. And my family loved him and his family loved me. And it just was like, okay, this is what's supposed to be happening. And he had made the decision that he wanted to join the military. And that was pretty tricky. i it was hard for me to accept at the time, cause I was scared, I think. And so at that point. You know, we decided, we know we want to stay together. We know we want to get married at some point. So let's do it before you leave. And so we did. We decided to get married before he left to join the army. And we went to his brother's house in Milwaukee one weekend. And he is a horrible, like cannot tell a lie. I could always scope it out. And so I knew it was coming. And he asked me to marry him on the lake up there. Super sweet but I laughed at him when he asked me because I was like <laughs> knew it was coming and I was kind of nervous. And so I, I never lived that down that I laughed at I,
0: during the proposal. For but sure. I
1: wasn't doing it to, right. Exactly. Like that's such a horrible thing, but that's totally my life. Like just totally my life. I think even in our separation process, he brought up how I laughed at him when he proposed to me, like
0: in an upset way.
1: And I was like, but I wasn't making fun of you. Like, let's just get that clear 10 years later. Like, so, so yeah, it was super sweet, um, proposed at the lake.
0: And you were pretty young. You were, you were, you were, I mean, it's considered young, you know, now how old were you? 20? Yeah, that was
1: August of 2009. We started dating in February of 2009. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. The time Mm -hmm. That sounds great. And so, yeah, I was, I was not yet 21. Yeah, I was 20. And then we had a couple months to get married and and a couple friends from my, from a were like, Oh, I'll help you plan this wedding. I could call out a couple of people specifically, but I won't do that. But they were like, I'll help you plan this wedding. Like it would be so (laughs) great. And I just had to tell everyone like, look, like the wedding for me, like, that sounds great and the reception. And they're like, okay, don't have the wedding if you feel like you can't, but just have the big reception party. And I was like, but you don't get it when you have a family of 16 plus 40 cousins, like that's the big expensive part. So ultimately we just, we ended up going to the courthouse. (laughs) We went on a Tuesday afternoon. I wanted to pick a non-biased party to be my witness because If I started involving certain family members and not others, I knew it was going to get out of control and snowball. So I picked someone from one of my classes that I had kind of become friends with, and she's actually still my person and my best friend to this day. I'm I'm not going to cry. And so she went with us and her husband went with us. And then after we got married, we took a nice trip with my sister to Target and picked out stuff to make enchiladas at home that night and drink wine cause we were freshly 21 and um, yeah, that was my wedding day. (laughs) And it's funny because I- That sounds so lovely though. Like looking back, like so cute. And what's really funny is I grew up being a pretty decent, heavy tomboy. And I always joked to my mom and my aunt that I would never wear a wedding dress. I'm gonna get married in jeans. And literally and not, well not ironically, I got married in jeans because we were like, nope, let's just do this. So yeah, jeans and a flannel again, that's, that's my life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so beautiful though. I love that. I didn't know those things. That's so, that's beautiful. I love that. I really love that. So, I mean, that seemed like, I mean, like you're talking about comfort and you know, these things and everything that you're explaining just feels like, you know, so perfect, all of that, you know? So you were married and he joined the army. So how was the beginning of married life for you? Did it feel any different than
1: before? Um, Another fun fact twist. We, because he joined the army, we weren't together that whole first year that we were married. So um, we spent, I will, I take that back. I, we had four months or so before he went to training and such. And, I, and to answer that question, honestly, it didn't really feel any different, but I could already like identify problems and such, um, you know, fighting and things like that. So, and, and over things that I feel like shouldn't have been fought over that early in a marriage. And so, and then he left and was gone for a year and that, that was really hard, but that was also like kind of a distance makes the heart grow fonder kind of situation. And so after that year we were together, we moved to North Carolina together and it was good. It was a new adventure. We hadn't been together for a year um we ha- we picked out our own home, we got another dog, so it it just was all the things and it it felt good and it was nice so kind of a weird journey to get to that point,
0: well, yeah, and I think that first year of marriage is really hard anyway, but then throwing in that distance and all those things you're you're essentially getting used to someone more than you normally would have to be used to them, you know, so I mean, that makes sense. I've heard I've heard that first year of marriage. I mean, even even in my own first year of marriage, it was difficult. Uh, it was really difficult at times, which I talk about in a different podcast. But so then you're married and you're living in North Carolina and you are doing life and it feels good to be together. You have this beautiful home that you've picked out. Everything seems to be falling into place again, just as it should. A couple hiccups here and there. But then you, I mean, you now have two daughters. So can you talk about how you decided to start a family?
1: Yeah, I think that, gosh, I sound like I like was just on this train of a life when I answer these questions that I just like kind of going through the motions. And that sounds horrible. But I think now that I'm in hindsight and looking back on things and uh, starting a family, I guess I say that that sounds bad. But what I mean is starting a family just felt like the next natural step of what our goal was. We both got married knowing we wanted kids. And so you know, we just decided, hey, we are together. We've been apart for this long. We know we want a family. We've done these things together. We've traveled a little bit. Let's start a family. And it happened right away. We were really fortunate. We were really fortunate and lucky with that to To get pregnant it was really easy for us. Um, and I never have taken that lightly. And so Addison, I was pregnant the whole time in North Carolina. It was the dead heat of summer and it was miserable. And I was super morning sick. I lost like 15 pounds and I didn't have any family. And so it was, Oh, it was a roller coaster. but she was born in September of 13. And Oh my gosh, just, I don't even have to explain it to you. Just the best thing. And then you're in that honeymoon period after you have, you know, a new baby and Oh, it was so great. We were lucky enough that you know, my parents came down and helped for a little bit and then my sisters came down and helped too for a bit. So you have that wonderful support of your
0: family, but I kind of want to back up for a second and talk about how you felt like you were just like, you know, checking boxes, because I think growing up in a small town, often girls especially feel, and I, I guess I can't speak to boys, but I think that girls especially feel that in a small town, once you grow up you graduate high school you probably should be dating someone in high school seriously and then you should also probably continue to date them if possible or if not that's fine but also find someone else really find someone else quickly so that you could kind of get married and you know procreate and and you know really check the boxes because there's not a huge sense and maybe that's like a midwestern thing or like an american culture thing i'm not certain right that's I feel like the song that you're singing is uh, very familiar to many women, especially in small towns.
1: Yeah, I've thought about that a lot. Even Actually, even when I was married, it was something that my one best friend that, ended, that went to the wedding with me, she she is someone that I opened up to a lot. And even when I was married, would say this, like, that's something I thought. Uh, angst with myself about because growing up, I was, and it's so, it's so conflicting because I was never that person growing up that was like, I'm going to do this this, business by the time I'm 25 or whatever. And so the fact that I had the same boyfriend through high school, the fact that I married someone like right after, or actually in college, like I said before, I mean, I studied sociology in school, specifically gender, and I'm very like feminist kind of oriented. So that Belief system and mindset that I have really is in conflict with what I've actually done with my life. And that doesn't mean that I regret any of it because I don't. I would never change any of it. I loved, you know, my ex husband. I, I know I was in love with him. I would never trade my children or any of that. But like you said, it's like checking boxes and you, you, you get, or I did anyway. I'm not going to say I went along with it because I, knew what I was doing and I, that felt right to me. But I also, I, what I'm trying to focus on now is living with intent and choices. And it is this the best choice for me or for my kids or my, my family. And, you know, then it was a lot about emotions and being young and loving each other's families and feeling like this was the next a- appropriate step and what we should be doing. And so I think you're right. Like that, I don't know if that's a Midwestern thing. I did it. And, but, it, but I also, it's hard to say that without sounding like,
0: trite or something because that's not what i feel does that make sense no i know what you're saying because we do like you said we are in control of what we're doing i mean when you're when you're so young because i also got married when i was 21 you know when you're so young okay at least for me when i got married I mean, my parents got married. My mom was 17. Oh no, take that back. She had literally turned 18 the day before she got married. Okay. So like in my mind, I was like, well, I'm not getting married as young as my parents did. And my dad was 19. Okay. So like 18, 19, literally babies. Okay. Oh my god, Fresh out of high school. I mean, and I teach, like I teach these like this age group. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. So in my mind, when I was, you know, 21 years old, I was like, no, I'm at least I'm not 18 anymore. (laughs) I'm just a... Oh, you totally think you're an adult. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. And so, so, and you know, you've, you've been desperate for, desperate for that independence and those, that freedom of choice and, and every experience is different and not everyone has the same experience obviously, but... I mean, that, what you're talking about resonates heavily with me because I do, I think it's common in in areas, uh, you know, small town, mainly conservative uh, viewpoints, you know, very stereotypical in gender roles and household duties and that sort of thing. So it makes sense. Everything that you're saying totally makes sense. I think lots of people, lots of women can relate to what you're saying, Sydney.
1: I try to tread lightly with it because that's my experience and it's easy to look back on it now with hindsight and pinpoint things. But, but I also could see those things as they were happening, but it was like, well, we're rolling, we're on this train. And so it is easy to look back and say, but like you said, you got married very young too. So it's just, it's so important to be like your experience is not someone else's experience. You know, my marriage, I know where it went wrong. I know the things, but my marriage is not your marriage. And You know, if there's people can identify with you and with me and, you know, but I think it's important to not say I'm trying to bash people for that because that's not it.
0: No, 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 no. I don't think anyone's saying or thinking that. And if you are readjust because no, no, Sydney's a lovely human being. Okay. So let's, let's, um, that was totally a rabbit trail, but I think really worth investigating. So then you decided to build a family and you had your first baby and it was like this honeymoon phase, like you described so how do you think that parenting played a role in your relationship? I know that there like there has literally been nothing more difficult in my life than parenting with my husband. <laughs> it's it can be so like, you know, I mean, it's it's hard. Parenting is hard. And it's this this
1: age that they're in where you give everything of yourself to the kids because that they need everything, you know? Yeah. And I I don't have teenagers, so I don't know how it shifts in the future. And I always talk to my closest friends about this and I'm like, it has to get a little easier, right? Like, it has to change, like they don't need you every second, but I don't know. I think it just shifts into
0: something else. Like, You know, yeah. I've heard, um, someone once told me, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Oh, so, totally, I can see, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm really... I'm thankful that like the junior and I'll probably totally stick my foot in my mouth, but I feel like as an educator in secondary, you know, the secondary age group, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on how to deal with them, but I'll probably lose all of that when it comes time to have my own kids. When it's Mm -hmm. your own kids. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah. How did, how did parenting play that role in your relationship? So it was good
1: because like I said, you're in that honeymoon bubble. So you both get up in the middle well for me anyway, you both get up in the middle of the night you you're so excited you're tired like an amount of tired that you cannot put into words you you can't explain it and so at first it was lots of oh I hate this word in regards to marriage but I had a lot of help he helped a lot with Addison and you know it's it's not a I'm not even gonna go down that rabbit hole with my feminist, views. but um, it was, <laughs> I, he, he was there and he was present and he, he was, a he is, he was a great dad, you know, um, and it was so exciting, but parenting, it's hard because then it gets to the point where I breastfed. And so it gets to the point where, well, I'm up in the middle of the night breastfeeding the baby and he gets to sleep and you start to feel, I think all moms, um, parts of resentment for, you know, the person that you're with. And no matter how many textbooks do you read, no matter how equal, I think you try to make your marriage, no matter how many papers I wrote in college, you can look at all that like scientifically and in studies and stuff, but when it's your real life And, like, you can try to make it equal, but I don't think it ever is. Like, I just think it's impossible. And so, again, I struggled with that internally. Probably projected that on him quite a bit. And so that caused a lot of angst and resentment towards each other, I think. But it was ups and downs. It wasn't always like that, you know. But definitely a stress with a baby
0: and being far from home. So, right. You Yeah. Right. You do have a super supportive family at home or in, you know, in your hometown, but it would be, it would be really difficult to raise children away from that support system. So then there was a shift, uh, essentially, you know, you kind of described little like breadcrumbs that kind of had led you to maybe thinking that something wasn't necessarily right. So can you talk about if there was a time that you remember things shifting in your relationship? Yeah. I, when I think about that, it's not like I can pinpoint one
1: specific thing. I know there was one specific argument that was the breaking point for everything that I was like, nope, I'm done. But to get to that point over years, it, like you said, breadcrumbs arguments here or there, but things that don't really necessarily get resolved and it just keeps coming up. And I think, I think for us, it can't pinpoint one thing. I've just, I've narrowed it down to the fact that a couple things. I, we got married too young for me. That, that's what it is for me is that we got married too young. And I knew inherently that we were very different people. But I think when I was young, I thought, well, you know, you'll change and grow together and we love each other and that love will make it okay. And we have that love. And so you can overcome everything. And I think that can be true, but if people are not on the same page and working towards that, then it, it's not true and so i think over time it just became a square peg round hole kind of situation we would sit down often and say you know what can i do to make this work so i think that effort was there but at the end of the day it was just like man just button heads and an environment that stressful and and fighting and just something that like i didn't want to model that as a relationship for my girls to see or to grow up in and i didn't want them to remember that as like what marriage
0: is supposed to be.
1: Yeah. So not, not one specific thing. I think it was a building up of being too young and major differences, I guess.
0: Well, you talked about the argument that you remember like everything kind of coming to a head. What did you believe to be the beginning of the end? Was, was it that argument that was just like, you know, I mean, you talk about how, you, you know, you would, you would known that that was probably coming for a long time, but you know, having that realization and making that verbalizing that is really uh, a really yeah. big thing and hard. It had to have been very, very hard.
1: It was hard, but I think, I think we both knew it was coming. And I think that I finally was just the one to verbalize it and just say, I'm done. I cannot do this anymore. We can't do this to each other. We can't do this to the kids. It's time. And so I, I think my head knew a long time before my heart knew. And, um, it's like, there is a specific thing. There is a specific thing, you know, that, that happened. And it was just like the last straw. And so, and that's when the conversation came up and it was like, no, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. You know, it it was 10, we were together for 10 years, you know? So yeah.
0: What was, what was going on in your mind, you know, when things were changing, I guess my question would be, you know, when you're, when you're having those arguments and you're, you know, you're think you're having these like fierce conversations with each other, what was going on in your brain as far as like your fears and your self-talk and all of these like hard things that when, when you're having these fierce conversations with people, you sometimes you hold back things that you know that you need to say but you don't say it or you do say it and you think, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said that. Can you talk a little bit about your headspace while those decisions were being made? I think
1: my headspace honestly was that I knew we either needed to go to counseling or it was going to be over. And I think I knew in my head that even if we went to counseling, the fundamental differences were just so big that I think I had already accepted it was going to be over. And so I guess in my head, it was kind of like a tug of war. Like I wanted to make it work because most people don't want to get divorced, you know, you don't want to do that to your kids. So I had that track in my brain of fear and what my kids' life would look like and what my life would look like if it didn't work. And so eventually, you know, I couldn't just keep questioning that anymore. I couldn't have that fear in my head anymore. It was just time to be like, it's time. And so I I think that fear was in my head quite a bit and overthinking and overanalyzing things and holding out hope that it would change. We would always sit down and have like a conversation about, I'm going to work on this or I'm going to work on that. And then you have this hope and it's good for a day or two. And then it would be like two steps back.
0: Well, and thinking about like, you know, when you finally do verbalize, you know, this, I'm, I'm done, you know, verbalizing that, you know, there's that bitterness. There's that like taste of bitterness in your mouth for saying it, but Did you feel relieved at all? Or were you just like heartbroken at that point? Maybe both? I mean.
1: I think both. It was definitely both. I felt relief because I knew it was coming, but heartbroken because that was 10 years of my life. I loved this person. This was my best friend. This is the parent of my kids. And then heartbroken for my kids you know, that is probably the heaviest thing. You know, I still deal with that today for the girls. And then I was heartbroken because like I said, we were really close to each other's families and, and I knew eventually, you know, that shifts and stuff. So, but relief for myself, because, you know, I, for, you know, it had been a couple of years coming and I had that internal struggle and I had known it was probably coming. And so to finally be like, okay, I'm, I'm done. That was a relief.
0: I think. Well, and giving yourself permission to kind of break that habit of checking boxes. Yeah, because
1: this was not a box that I. think anyone saw coming so when I told my family they were just in complete shock and disbelief even my grandma to this day it's been almost two years since we separated and she'll just oh I can't believe it and I won't say what else she says but um and then when he told I kept telling him you know you need to tell your family we're living in separate parts of the house we're I'm going to file the papers and this stuff you need to tell your family and I think he ended up telling them in a mass email and I was blindsided by it and didn't know about it and so then I started getting text messages the next day, like what is going on? We had no idea you guys were having problems, just like all this stuff. And it just, you know, which kind of goes to show, you know, what looks like on the inside and outside of a marriage, you never know. But the family was just so shocked. And so I carried that for a while too. It was definitely a box that I don't think any of them saw coming. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, liberating, though so you know you you had talked about ways to make it better and it would be good for like a day or two and i'm certain that you probably genuinely wished that it would all get better and that something would like magically click but like you said i i like the analogy of you know square peg round hole it's just yeah not gonna it just it wasn't gonna fit and you and you both knew that so Since our emotions kind of manifest, not kind of, they definitely do manifest themselves physically. Did you ever experience any like physical manifestations of like your heartbreaking? I definitely
1: like could feel the stress. I'm someone that has, you know, stress and anxiety anyway, but I could definitely feel it physically, you know, like the not sleeping very well. Like my anxiety when it gets bad enough, I get like chest pain. So all that kind of stuff was like happening. You know, I gained some more weight, um, definitely like depressed and that sort of stuff. So I felt it physically and mentally. And thankfully around that time, I started going to counseling and stuff. And so that definitely helped. And I still go to this
0: day. So, but yeah, I definitely felt it physically. And I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about you're living in a place that's not near family. And uh, you had to have felt alone at this point, like especially alone.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, even today, I mean, this is a whole different topic of being a single parent, but my ex actually doesn't live in town anymore where me and the girls live. And so even today, my closest family member is an hour away. And so it's been two years since we separated almost. And I still have that a lot. Oh gosh. Like I said, that's a whole different thing, but yeah, going, I always had someone, a phone call away and I've always had people that, a couple people that would, you know, just come at the drop of a hat. And so that was really just like such a lifesaver
0: for me because um, I do live far from my family and such. But the proximity that they're giving you as far as like mental and emotional support has been just phenomenal. Oh um, my gosh. Like I couldn't have yeah. gotten through it without. Yeah. 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 Since what you're talking about, I think is so common, especially around, you know, this age that we are at where life seems to, you know, in our thirties, I mean, our twenties are really wonderful and you know, they they are full of box checking, but in, you know, in the, in your thirties and I can't speak to what happens after the thirties or even mid thirties, but knowing that what you're experiencing is common as far as like noticing that you've been checking these boxes, noticing that like there probably were signs before that you should have maybe paid attention to, but you know, like you said, I'm chugging through this and this is how things yep. should be. And I am definitely in love with this person, which, you know, and we are creating this life and everything seems great and who doesn't have problems, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so you're creating this for yourself, this life that you've always wanted. And it, it what it was everything that you wanted, right? Yeah, totally, totally on,
1: should I say on paper, that sounds bad again, but you know, inherently in the back of my head, I had those things, but totally was the life that I wanted. You know, marriage, our families loved each other, had the kids that we loved, dogs, the whole thing. Yes. Awesome.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Full of love and light, but like real life is real life. Like you said, I mean, what happens at home, not everyone knows about. And so I think for people listening you know, for other women who are single moms right now, who are in the thick of this, I mean, would you be willing to share some of your darkest moments?
1: Yeah. And actually like, this is hard because it's so vulnerable, but since I I never posted anything on Facebook, like that I was in the process of getting divorced or anything like that, I flew low and everything, but a couple people like after a while figured it out. And I've had two, two last year and then two more this year, women reach out to me and be like, hey, I don't want to step on your toes, but is this what's going on? Like I'm experiencing this too. And there were a couple of them that were like in the really early stages and of it and just asked me like for tips and stuff and pointers or like, how did you get through this? And that's when it hit me that I was like, okay, I'm not alone in this. There's other people going through it. And the people contacting me were actually like steps and months behind me in the process, quotation marks. And so for them to reach out and It's like, wow, like I could be someone that someone could talk to just felt really not good, but I mean that you could be there for someone else, you know? And so some of the dark moments, I think it just, you struggle with like, oh my God, like I'm doing this alone. Like the kids it's on me, like at the end of the day, like it's on me and that I would never trade that, but it's heavy, you know? And so that heaviness, like it feels like dark sometimes, but that's what keeps me going forward. Is the girls that's what kept me going forward in the beginning anyway? Like I need to do this so they can see healthy relationships and happiness and what that looks like. And you know, sometimes it's like you know, there's no one else coming to do this for you. There's no one else that's responsible for your life, and that some days that is very heavy. Well,
0: so and I think what you're doing is so admirable, and you know, you're talking about your girls and raising girls in this world is so hard and What you're doing is creating that example of persistence, Sydney. You are creating that message for them that this is what's healthy and this is what is not. And because I love you, I'm going to support you no matter what, because I love you. This is how real women support one another. And I just think that's beautiful because raising girls is so hard. And that's, yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, my friends that have boys, I'm like, I don't know what you do with (laughs) those little creatures. Like I have no idea, but then I'm raising girls and I'm like, I don't know sometimes either, but yeah, that persistence and trying, I hope that's what they remember. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they remember like the girlfriends that I've had in my life who have come to help and the people that have got me through, I hope that they remember that part of it.
0: Well, and you know, their experience will be unique to them as well. Uh, But there is going to be no doubt in their mind that their mom loves them and that their dad loves them, you know? Right. Yep. Creating what you've created for them is beautiful. And I think that your bravery in knowing yourself, knowing your situation and knowing what's most healthy for your family is difficult, but necessary.
1: Right. It was totally, yeah, it was totally necessary. Yeah. I saw, um, before actually we ever even separated probably a year before, you know, there's all those mom pages and support groups on Facebook and someone was asking about divorce. And I remember someone posted and they said, Oh, I have it. I even have it written down because it just hit me. They said getting divorced sucks. Being divorced does not suck. And I'm like, how could that be true? When I read that, but For me, like, yes, there's hard days, but compared to the marriage I was in and what I was, you know, portraying, what my kids were seeing, like, no, being divorced does not suck for me anyway. It's, it's hard, but on some days, but it's been okay. So,
0: well, and you know, everyone has different battles that they're facing on the daily, you know? True. true. Mm -hmm. And so you have had this experience where you are, you were totally, made aware of everything that you're capable of and you like smashed it
1: I'm trying I don't know if I would say I smashed it I never will feel like I'm smashing it (laughs) but I'm trying so hard. yeah no like any little thing like like Addison comes home and we're struggling with math right now and it's like oh it's me I did this what do I do how do I fix that and every mom feels that of course but I'm always like oh what I did this like what You know, so I, I definitely don't feel like I'm smashing it, but I'm trying to.
0: (laughs) Well, I will tell you that from what I've seen, Sydney, you are doing an excellent job of raising those girls in just the way that you should. So you should be very proud of yourself. I'm not going to cry on this podcast. I I, mean, neither. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, Everything's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Okay. So let's talk about the constants and the hope that you feel. So good stuff. Yeah. The good stuff who, I mean, you've talked about who, like, who were your constants, your family, your closest friends, you know, those people that you relied on. Um, and you're seeing a counselor that you have been seeing for, you know, since, since the beginning of that, what are some, some sprinkles or some, some light in your life since this has happened? What have you kind of learned about yourself through this process?
1: Oh man. Honestly, getting to know myself and work through the things that i know i did wrong in my marriage or as a friend or as a daughter like it sounds so cliche but like being single and being able to self reflect and work on those things like i tried to do that in bits and pieces when i was married i tried to figure out who i was but i have not been able to do that in the capacity that i have in the past like year and a half and that has been so freeing like just so freeing and it's been hard. It's been days where I cry or I'm so depressed or I'm flat out lonely, like all the emotions, but like, I just know I'm in a better place and I'm, I'm thankful that I've put in that hard work. I'm thankful for that in the support system. And, you know, I never thought it's hard when I don't have the girls. I, every other weekend they go to their dads. Um, so I have four days a month, so I don't have a lot, but I never thought I'd get to the point where I wasn't going to be downright crying and sad when they left for a couple of days. But since COVID and being stuck in the house every second, like being able to get that breath those couple of days, like I'm thankful for that time because I can recoup and I can take that time for myself to do my hobbies. And, and then like, I'm just a better mom when they come home. So those are definitely sprinkles, like being able to
0: have that time. Yeah. To, to invest in yourself, which is, so important. And, you know, I, I think, you know, going, going back to what we talked about when, you know, we're young, we don't think about investing. I mean, I don't know. I say we, and this isn't the case with everyone, maybe just me and my small mind at times. And the people I talk to. (laughs) My circle. (laughs) And literally everyone that I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) So maybe it is all of us, but no, definitely. Um, we don't invest in ourselves when we are you know, we don't invest in like getting to know ourselves unless we're like super enlightened. Um, but I don't know anyone from a Iowa who has graduated <laughs> super enlightened. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't get me wrong. I love a I love the city. This is, I mean, where I want to spend yeah. my life, but you know, babies, kids, babies. babies getting married,
1: babies, having- babies having babies. Yeah. Like where I work right now, I work with college students and I look at them and I'm like, I was younger than you when I got married. What, what the what the Mm -hmm. what like oh my gosh but yeah we don't I don't think we invest in ourselves you know you see on I think it's kind of like this FOMO that I don't think is real like on Pinterest people taking a year to backpack or to travel and all this stuff and I'm like maybe they do that in other countries they take a year off right that's a thing
0: I think I didn't do that I wanted to do that. No, definitely get married immediately to get married immediately, yeah. be, be in a Check heavy up. relationship immediately. Yeah. And you know, and yeah. even to this day, like I still, I, I don't encourage, like I've got some younger friends and they might be listening to this and they're like, Oh yeah, she's talking exactly about me. But like, yes. And you're right. I am talking about you. I don't encourage anyone to date. Is that weird? Like, I'm not like, Oh yeah. Who are you dating? Who's your, like, we need to get your boyfriend. I, I don't do that. I don't. Because I feel like, especially like the age that these friends of mine are, they are in the prime where they can invest in themselves and figure out what it is that they want, you know, because it's, it's not that it's not possible later in your life. It's just more complicated.
1: Right. No, I am. I was ready to start nursing school before my separation hit that that is not happening as a single mom who has four days off a month. Like uh, Mm -hmm. I'm really wanting to get my masters. Like if I would have done that before, even I could have done that married, but even before babies, like what would my life look like right now? You know? Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't encourage the dating thing. Addison comes home and talks about her second grade boyfriend. And I'm like, whoa, dude, like, and I do the whole like feminist mom, you don't need a boyfriend. Like, Right, yep. Focus on your math. Like, let's go do that. (laughs) Let's go do math. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I don't think (laughs) you're crazy. But then I've also questioned that post-divorce self-enlightenment that I'm trying to smash. Like, I'm like, okay, am I jaded? Like, because our student employees at work talk about their boyfriends and their surprises that they got. And I'm just like, oh, God, like, I'm I'm 31 and I'm this jaded, like, decrepit person, like, telling people not to date (laughs) and not to... (laughs)
0: Uh, I I don't want to be that. That's <laughs> <laughs> going the wrong way. Well, maybe you are, but I am too. Like, I don't like, you know, but there is some, there is wisdom in waiting yes. and like this whole mindset of why wait? I mean, why not? Like, why not wait? Yeah. Um, especially when you are in, you know, fresh out of college or fresh, you know, like, invest in yourself. I mean, I, I didn't, I, you know, I, 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 mean, I got married right when I was yeah like I 21, like, you know, like I said, it's not that it's not possible. Right. It's just more yeah. complicated and yeah.
1: Yeah. I have a whole bunch of tangents I just thought of for that, but I won't go on that rabbit. Hole. Yeah. But yeah, when I, I remember when I was in school and my gender focused classes, we talked about the Mrs. Degree
0: uh, Yeah. going to
1: college to get your MRF degree. And totally, I was like, Oh god, but I was literally living that life but in class being like, oh that's not me. No, no, yes, honey, that's what you did. Like, so yeah, go to school, whatever kind of what that looks like to you to get your career going and figure out who you are. It's so easy to say that now that we're 30 and married and kids and you know. Yeah. But yeah, looking back.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Even if you do that, who's to say that your life isn't going to, you know, take some unexpected twists for sure? Yeah. You know, what I want mostly for young women to hear is to invest in yourself and get to know yourself and don't compromise because Mm -hmm. we all compromise. We all do. You do. I do. We compromise. Yeah. But what we need to focus on. Is You have to, I'm super into this
1: whole find yourself, be a whole person as you are and put that whole person out in the world. It's like these cheesy things you see on Pinterest and I'm such a sucker for them. I'll just scroll and look at these quotes, but it's like, know who you are. Don't question your self worth to be with someone else because that's not true. To yourself, be a whole person, so you can give that whole person to someone else. All that cheesy stuff, like, and you said earlier, like, why wait? Why wait? But I'm all about these days. I'm all about like, what's yours, we'll find you. And like, if it's gonna leave, like, let it leave. It's not meant to be yours. And so, at the end of the day, you have yourself. At the end of the day, I have myself, yeah. and I'm responsible yeah. for these two minutes. You're humans, and so,
0: yeah.
1: I'm just trying to make that self better and invest in myself. Like you said. I know the words you're trying to say, trying to live that. But we're moms, and Purposeful. it's
0: nine thirty pur- <laughs> it <was 930> at <laughs> yeah, night. Purposeful, this point, it's out because we've been momming all day and jobbing, and we've been momming yeah, all day. We're doing it, yeah. And I just, I just want to tell you that I am so encouraged by you, and I'm so inspired by you. And this message that you that you are sharing today is is so so relevant because life pans out differently for everyone. But I'm very thankful to call you my friend. I'm very thankful for your inspiration and your your persistence because you are fantastic. Just,
1: I'm just going to throw all that back on you. I am in awe of you and all that you do, that you teach all day, that you have three babies. You do. <laughs> we have it. We have to do this. Truly, like, I feel like I was talking to someone the other day that I was going to talk to you and do this. And she was like, Oh my God, Cami, she's like she does it all. She's like a Wonder Woman, and I (laughs) truly—I know, but I truly like think that like, and it's great. It's I'm thankful to be friends with someone that is honest about it. Like you know, we can feel like we have it all together, but at the end of the day, us moms, like you know, like it's hard.
0: It's a it's a poop show. It's a crap show.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, but to be friends with someone who's so honest about it and raw, like oh, I'm so thankful to to know you and call you a friend. Absolutely. Uh.
0: So much yes. love in my heart for you, Sydney Palin.
1: My heart's something. Uh,
0: <laughs> absolutely.
1: Like, I don't know. We'll
0: oh, just my goodness. Post
1: things on Facebook and I'm
0: like, yep, we're on the same wavelength. Okay. I it. know. I know everything you post. I'm like, this is girl speaking my language. <laughs> right into my heart. Girl gets it. Yeah. <laughs> is she reading my mind? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Final couple things, Sydney, and then I will let you go to bed because you can sleep. Oh my gosh! Sleep. They're
1: not here tonight. I'm gonna have my bed to
0: myself. <laughs> <laughs> I probably still sleep, right. But. Of course not, because yeah. who does that? Yeah. Especially moms. No, adults. <laughs> yeah, no, not us. Not us. So, what would your best advice or encouragement be to another young mother who is separated or in the process of separation or divorce? I think once you've someone has
1: made that decision, if they truly know, because God, your heart and your head are gonna like battle that out forever. Really, And I I think once someone knows that that's what's best for themselves, and if they have kids, you have to have a support system. You have to have people who are, that you can call at one in the morning when you're crying. Like, once you identify who those people are, there's some people that may say they're there, but they might not be. You have to know who's truly there for you and accept help accept that they have your best interest, that they want to help you, that you're not a burden to them. I think that's something I've really had to overcome is you're not a burden. There are people who love you and care about you. So, oh man, find that support system. And I think the biggest thing for me was it's hard and it's easy to go slap a Band-Aid on the situation, whether that be with a new hobby or a new boyfriend or girlfriend or a new job or just anything, like calm down and just like sit with it for a bit. Don't get like, you know, So you're going to be sad and stuff. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, sit with it, sit with that pain for a while. Like let it be, don't just push it away, work through it, find a way to heal through it. Cause like, it's so hard to get through that point, but it's also easy. It's easy to take other outs, I guess. Yeah. So I would say, don't take the easy way out, you know, do the right thing, sit with it, heal, take the
0: time, find that support system. That's the main thing. I like that image that you're painting of sitting with it and like holding space with that hurt and that pain and that heartbreak. It's
1: ugly and it's painful and it's lonely. But once you get through that part, you got to get through that part to fully heal. I think otherwise I think you just carry it around and it's
0: just a weight and it, and it, 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 it comes back. And so, well, and it, yeah, it manifests itself in different both. ways and, you know, in anger and resentment, mm-hmm. like, yeah. And I totally yeah, haven't perfected I like that.
1: that. I haven't smashed that, but I can say that, that I've put in a lot of time to try and work through yeah. that and
0: just work through it. Yeah. And with anything, yeah. you know, like, I think that's good advice for any, you know, hardship that it, it is thrown our way. Sitting with it, hold space with it. Don't numb it out. Don't self-medicate. Don't. But also
1: you can't let yeah. it consume you. So it's like a balance you know that's why you have to have those yeah, people yeah. you have to have family friends counseling i found a lot in like running lately like some kind of healthy outlet yeah. don't let it consume you but also like you said don't numb it
0: so then sydney what would your best advice or encouragement be to support people of young moms who are separated so advice for those support people
1: so if you are the support person yeah what yeah so i'll just say what advice i'll just pick out the best points of the ones that i've had And if I could cram that into like a person, obviously a great listener has to be on there because some days you just want someone to listen and not give advice. Just listen to me like, yeah, yeah, tell you how my life feels like it's crumbling today. Mm -hmm. But also to check in, I think, and I don't know if that's just my anxiety. I always feel like I'm a burden to people, but it was even more so during separation. So I think if you're someone who's supporting a person, a young woman going through this, like check in on them. Don't just wait for them always to reach out, check in to let them know you're thinking about them. What can I physically do for you today that will help you make your day better? Or, you know, one of my sisters, the one that's an hour away would come and just be like, do you need me to be there? Do you need me to take the girls for a little bit? Do you need me to come help with dinner? Just like the little things being present, totally that and allowing space and time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And you know, again, not to bring up like our geographic origins, but you talked about you know being a burden, and I think that that is something that we, again, maybe it's like a Midwestern thing, uh, we are very concerned about being burdensome to others, and you know, my my needs can't, and, and I think this like this you know movement of yeah. self being self aware and knowing. Not that self-awareness is like a new thing. Always be self-aware for sure. <laughs> we have created self-awareness because we are so great. It's millennials, is because we're the greatest. <laughs> oh God, the M word. So like, yeah. Yeah. So like not self, but like the self care, like you know this movement of like being being aware of your needs and caring for yourself and taking care of what you need to within your own you know body and space. And we have a tendency to worry about being a burden to someone. And I don't I I don't know I I maybe need to talk with other people who are not from the Midwest, but that seems to be a really yeah. common thread weaved through the conversations that I've had with other women
1: yeah I don't know if it's a young woman thing or if it's a well maybe it's a woman thing in general but asking for help is so hard for me anyway asking for help and asking for it without feeling like a burden like you're saying yeah like there's this meme going around on Facebook right now and it's just my life it's like Mm -hmm. oh do you think maybe you could like oh, they're asking someone for a favor. They're like, oh, maybe I could ask you for this small favor. And it's okay if you say no, but if not, oh, also, would you also like to run me over with your car? And I'm like, yeah, that's totally <laughs> like, like you could just be asking them to do nothing, but could you pass yeah, me the salt? Like, but if not, no, it's cool. That's like, not just, Yeah. Just hit me with your car. It's fine. Just <laughs> to the extreme. But I have also seen this thing going around that's like not being able to ask for help and trying to carry it all on your own as a trauma response. Yeah. And I haven't looked into that more to see the reasoning behind that, but kind of feeling like you've got this. You can do this on your own. You, This is your problem to carry. You're going to figure it out. It's fine. But you have to have, I'm just like preaching to the choir here, but it's easier said than done. You have to have that support system and ask yeah. for help. That's something I'm still working on. That's a hard one. It is really hard. Yeah.
0: It is really hard.
1: So if you figure out the science behind that, or if it's a Midwest yeah. thing,
0: let us know. Yeah, I'll let you know for sure. I'm going to come back. We're going to do a mm-hmm. research on that. Oh my gosh. Sydney Palin, this has just been the best. I'm so glad that uh, we were able to have this conversation. And I just know that your heart and your spirit is so full of light, and I'm so glad that you shared this experience in your life and we're willing to kind of be vulnerable in this space so thank you i like you said at the beginning this feels
1: comfortable just talking to you yeah so yeah I appreciate it and i love love what you're doing to raise up women and to make a community we need that so
0: I love what you're doing thank you
1: so I love what you're doing yes. you're fantastic i'm just moming and And doing what I have. you guys need to add
0: this. Maybe this is like totally unsolicited. I'm so sorry, Sydney. But if you aren't friends with Sydney Palin on Snapchat, you need to be because it's fantastic. Oh
1: my. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to have to go make that private real quick. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's so much fun. It's my kids. They just like, I mean, if I didn't have that source of entertainment, like it's so good. It's so good. And it's so perfect. And it's so, it's, it's just, you're singing my song all day long. Oh, before this, we were talking about chocolate wine that my stepmom brought down. And like, oh, right. I missed this because I was at work, but they were watching the girls the other day. And Addison opened the fridge at like 9 a.m. and was looking for breakfast. And she's like, oh, chocolate wine. I see. I think it's a bit too early for that. And shut the fridge door <laughs> and walked away. And I was like, I cannot believe I was at work to miss that. And her French oh. regal accent that I'm sure she had.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: it's too early for chocolate wine the <laughs> fact that she could read she has bottles. boundaries yeah, she-, <laughs> <laughs> she has boundaries she's not a monster
0: okay? it's nine in the morning oh my gosh this is so great oh man Sydney thank you so much for being here I so appreciate your heart and your spirit and your humor and your vulnerability thank you so much for being here thank you Cammy. yes you guys thank you so much for listening we will catch you next week on the V Podcast Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure to click the link in the description to join the Hive membership for only $5 a month. Join me in an exclusive mission to see that all stories everywhere are shared. And don't forget to rate and review our pod so that all women everywhere can find us, be encouraged, and be inspired. Again, thank you so much for listening. Screenshot this week's episode and share on your social media to bring awareness to this project. I'll catch you next week. I'm Cami Milliken, and this has been The Bee Podcast.